Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Ride podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, and joined by my lovely, talented wife, Miss Southern Shell. Shell, how are you today? Good, good. We got Tyler over on the board, and we're ready for another edition of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Still recovering from, uh, I guess, Labor Day weekend. Did you have a rough Labor Day, Shell? No, no, no. It's just hard to get back in the swing of things. Yeah, once you get a Monday off, it's like, let's just take the week. (laughs) That was a good one. We got a sick kid. That's always fun. I think everybody's got a sick kid right now. Yeah, there's definitely something going on. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Tyler, you're all stopped up. Your kids were sick over the holiday. Yep, so I guess I'm uh, patient zero, they call it. (laughs) (laughs) I had a fantastic weekend, man. It was opening college football. Real quick. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Palmer Home. Our contest is officially, it's ran the whole summer. Yes. We raised over $18,000 for Palmer Home. Almost 20 grand. Very grateful for everybody who helped us. Um, that money went directly to Palmer Home to feed a family. Um, Luke was our winner. Luke Trace. Uh, is that how you pronounce Luke's last name? Well, what I just know him as Luke. <laughs> and then Rich was second and Ann was third. So. Awesome. Well, congratulations to yeah. all the top donors. And uh, So Luke officially wins the Outlaw Smoker patio model, and he gets to come here and for a, a cooking lessons. Yeah, we'll figure out. All the details of that. All the details, but <laughs> that's pretty awesome. We'll probably get it in the smokehouse and you know give that uh, one. Gonna, man, we're going to La Siesta. We're doing all kinds <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now back to your. You know, I figured I, I, I'm surprised this weekend. Weekend this past weekend in like one of your favorite holidays. It it. Because it kind of like <laughs> it, it, it was a bunch of holidays at one time. Yeah. No. It. So, I got a bunch of favorite holidays. <laughs> but college football kickoff, Labor Day, Dove season is just one of the best holidays there is. But it's all contingent on weather, too. Like, you got you got the college football games no matter what. Yeah. Because they're played all over the country. But Dove season, it, you know, it can be finicky. This year was great. We, we shot a bunch of birds and cooked a bunch of good food at camp and – had a good time. Yeah, it was just you. You came. What day did you come down? Saturday or Sunday? You came down Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Everybody I just left. Came back you came for down that, Sunday uh, for that late game. Yeah, and we watched. I watched a man. That Colorado game was awesome. That was the best Coach one Prime. I saw the weekend. I'm so our, so we we kind of got a little bit of ties to Colorado now because we got a niece that's what's our second year third in Boulder. Oh, is she a junior? God, man, these kids grow up so fast. <laughs> She went out there as a freshman, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, before prime. Before prime, yeah. yeah. So she's now, B, she's BP. Yeah, now they, <laughs> they were giving away football tickets two oh, seasons. Oh, yeah, season. yeah, yeah. Now it's the hottest ticket in college. Yeah. So that's exciting to watch. I never – I would have never watched Colorado play, you know. I mean, no. that, that, that game's not interesting to me to anybody. But now, you know, we got we got uh, uh, some family out there and we got Deion Sanders coaching. And it's – man, they're playing good ball. It was fun. That was the most fun game I saw all week. It was. It was back and forth. They better get some defense. They got some offense, (laughs) but they better get some defense if they're going to keep it up. There's some kid playing both. Yeah, yeah. He's got to be the front runner for the Heisman Trophy this year. He's playing defense. He got an interception and he scored a touchdown, caught over like 100 yards receiving. That's a heck of a game for somebody. Think he'll be one and done? I bet. 
What you mean, GoPro? Yeah. Oh. Well, okay. I, I don't know what grade. I don't. I, I imagine he's a junior or something. They try. I think he, he was a transfer from Jackson State. I think. Which so. is where Coach Palm came from. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you get to go down the grocery store aisles like you like last week? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Last week we talked it was about. a fast down the aisles, though. It was a fast down the aisles. That happened. Do you have a list? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I made me a good list. I mean, I had, so I had planned, me and Mikey had planned the meals on what we were going to cook at camp. So we had like Friday night dinner cooked, lunch after we hunted Saturday morning, or, you know, breakfast, then lunch, then dinner that night, then Sunday repeated again, and then all the way to Monday. And we cooked a bunch of it. I mean, I had a good list of stuff. I probably bought. Way more than I needed to. Yeah. But, uh, man, we cooked up some good stuff. I'm trying to think what well, the best thing, oh, uh, something we got to talk about. We talked about that sous vide tri tip yes. I did and how great I thought it was, but I didn't have one to compare it to. I had something to compare it to that <laughs> blowed it away. <laughs> like the sous vide tri tip was good. I'm not going to lie. It was tender. It was easy to cook because you just put it in the water bath for, you know, several hours. It's like a no-fail. Yeah, and then you just sear it, which is it, – it's hard to mess one up that way. But this other one we reverse seared on the grill a pellet grill, and it only stayed on there for maybe 25, 30 minutes. You like, reverse seared it the yeah, whole so, time on so the Yeah, so we smoked it. The reverse sear is kind of you smoke it first. Okay, did you trim this one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I trimmed the you fat. You trimmed it the same trimmed way? Trimmed the fat same way. Okay. Um, and we were doing kind of a beef dinner that night, so we did a bunch of ribeye steaks, and we had some kebabs, and we had that tri-tip, and then we did some sausage and cheese. But um, so I took it and trimmed all that, trimmed all the fat off the tri-tip, seasoned it up, just super simple, some prime beef, a little bit of hot rub, a little bit of AP too, and put it on the grillless smoker at like two fifty, and put a probe in it because I wanted to watch it, and we we uh, actually. Austin Dukers put it on there for me. He was there hanging out with us, so he, he threw it on the grill while I was doing some other stuff. And we smoked it until the internal temperature on the dot got to like 110. Yeah, I think it was like 110, 115, something like that. It was right in that area, you know, not done, but all, mm-hmm. almost getting to rare. We pulled it off, and we were gonna, and we grilled the steaks, but instead of – I just let it rest. Like it got to 110, 115 and sat there while we grilled all these ribeye steaks. What were you grilling the ribeye on? The, on the PK. We got some charcoal hot and got the PK grill going with the grill grates. Me and Waylon cooked steaks, and then when they got done, we put that tri-tip on there, and it went like two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, just perfect sear marks on it. You know, it looked it was seared up just like the ribeye steaks. And then we let it all rest. And then instead of just everybody getting their own cut of meat, we sliced it up. And that tri-tip, man, it was so good. Like the ribeye was great. Ribeye is hard to beat. Yeah, I love her. But that tri-tip beside it, you had that difference in the beefiness of the tri-tip. And you could like compare. The texture. Because, you know, ribeye, is, it's fatty. Yeah. It's And it's, you know, it's it's a really good steak. I mean, it's, it's probably my favorite cut. That's the standard. I eat probably more ribeye than I do anything. But having that tri-tip beside it that comes from that sirloin, you know, the bottom part of the sirloin of a cow, and it's a beefier flavor. The texture is a little bit tighter, but it was still just almost melted in your mouth. And when people would try, like it's a lot of the, the boys there, especially our, our sons that were there hanging out, they'd never had tri-tip. Michael had, but I think the other ones hadn't. And they were just tore it up. I mean, it was devoured. That was the one thing we didn't have any left. We had some ribeye left. And what did I do with that the next day? I did something. I oh, I put it in baked beans. 
I made some ribeye. I called them grilling beans because it made them taste like grilled steak. In the they were beans. really yeah. good beans. I took a bite of those. Yeah, they were dang good. So uh, tri-tip. I, I, there's no way a reverse sear tri-tip <laughs> doesn't blow a sous vide tri-tip out the water. <laughs> I don't care what you say. Do you think it was letting it get aged for a week? Because it did age in the fridge for yeah, a week Yeah, but longer. how much does it really age in a week? <laughs> I mean, that was the one thing that was out of my control because I bought three tri-tips. I cooked two one weekend before, and it sat in there for one week in the refrigerator. It, didn't do, it was just in the package, the little you know styrofoam tray and wrap. But it didn't have any like bad spots or anything mm-hmm. on it. I mean, it, it didn't was, have it was, a lot of juice in yeah, there. No, no, it was, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was good. Normally, I wouldn't buy something and just let it sit in the refrigerator for a week like that, but it just so happened I was going to cook it one day the last week, and time got away from me. And I was like, well, I'll take it to camp, so... Did you serve it with like a that horseradish mayo or uh, no? We um, we didn't even know. there was nothing served with it. We had uh, potatoes that we roasted, like cut up uh, Yukon potatoes, seasoned. I was going to ask you if you had any vegetables. Yeah, no, we cooked those on the pellet grill. We had it was it was just potatoes and meat, and then we did a loaf of French bread with some uh, softened you know butter. <laughs> it was a man deal. Man. There, was no, we didn't, there was no fluff on that one. What was the cons- consensus from everybody trying the tri-tip? Oh, the tri-tip was better than ribeye. Yeah. And it was a pretty daggum good ribeye. And it was a real good ribeye. <laughs> like those were, um, there were some ribeyes that we had had in the freezer here at work where we had bought them from Benny Keith. And I want to say, that, I forget what, it was those, uh, I forget what brand it was, but they're it good ribeyes. Yeah, yeah, what, 1882 ribeyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were and they were good. They were vacuum sealed up, and they've been in there probably almost a year. But I was like, "Huh, it's a good." T-. I mean, when we get together at camp, that's a good time to clean out freezer. So I pulled out, like we laid out duck, we had backstrap, we had tenderloin from deer, we had a bunch of ground meat that we cooked. We just kind of had a wild game cooking on Saturday. We made poppers and just you know did some steaks and stuff, and had some cooked some cooked a bunch of the dove that we shot. So how'd you cook the dove that you shot, man? We last year, I mean, most people do poppers with dove. That's just when you say poppers, what are poppers? It's like pizza jalapeno, like half a jalapeno. Some people call them different things. Yeah, yeah, but it's a popper to me is just jalapeno, cream cheese, piece of piece of meat wrapped up in bacon, and it's just a popper. Uh, ABTs is pretty much the same mm-hmm, thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes people don't put the fresh jalapeno; they'll just do like sliced pickled jalapenos with some cream cheese and the meat and wrap it up, so it's more of a little bite. Yeah. Ours are two or three biters because we use half a pepper on them. Sometimes but, you use a sweet pepper too. Yeah, instead I do. of a jalapeno. I'll grab a bag of it. So I grabbed a bag of like I bought like a dozen fresh jalapenos, and then I bought a little bag of the tricolored sweet peppers. And you, you know, we had some left over, and you tried them. You said you liked the sweet peppers better. Yeah. Well, the, the jalapeno didn't have as much flavor. As yeah, you do pepper. get some flavor out of that. Mm-hmm. But and that's normally how we do the dove. I only did duck in the poppers. I think there might have been a little bit of backstrap in some of them. But the dove last year, we cooked it a bunch of different ways. And the best way everybody liked it was just straight dove breast, uh, marinated a little bit. And we just, we, what we do threw, you marinated? man, we threw some stuff together. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> it, you had in the, yeah, yeah, it was like Italian dressing and then Johnny Fleming something <laughs> and then some wickers. And we just had a bowl and mixed up a bunch of stuff. You know, I, I set out about 10 different marinades that we had in the, in the pantry and said, all right, just pick which ones you want to throw in a bowl and make up something. So it was like a hodgepodge of different stuff yeah but we threw the dove breast in there boneless we cut we cut the cut each little side of the breast off and then it's not much meat you know it's yeah like, how long does it take to de 
phone them. It doesn't take too long. You know, you get a couple of people working on it. You just pull the breast out of the bird and get the feathers off of it, rinsing them. And then we take a little paring knife and just kind of cut along the little keel area, the, the breastbone there, and knock off a little nugget on each side, and throw them in a bag. And we, so we marinated those, brought them out, seasoned them a little bit, and skewered them. Just to take a wooden skewers, soak them in some water, and just stick those dove breasts on there. No bacon, no cream cheese, nothing. Just dove meat. And then we put them on a hot grill. Now, this time we did something that was really good. We like I'd already had the poppers on the smoker, and it was running about 350. And so right on the front edge of those grills, and most smokers are like that. Wherever that deflector plate is, yes. right on the edge of it, Spe- it lets grill. more heat out yeah. yeah, on pellet grills. So you got the sides, and then you got the front and the back side. And if you lay meat back there, it'll actually sear up because that's where your main heat and some of your flames, when you got it cranked up to like 350, you're actually getting a little bit of flame try to come under these smaller grills. And that's what happened. So it didn't take – I think I set a timer for seven minutes, and we flipped them. And then another seven minutes, and you've got perfect, like, you know, medium rare. Do they get, like, kind of little charry on the outside? A little charry, but they're still juicy because when you dry out game, and I don't care if it's dove, duck, deer, whatever, if you overcook it, it turns, like, this livery flavor. Mm-hmm. It gets tougher, and you cook all the you cook all the good stuff out of it when you do that. So it's all about cooking it, that, keeping it rare, medium rare, right in that range right there is where wild game's best. And that's, I mean, so we sat down that night and had, I don't know, probably six skewers of dove breast between four or five of us, and we just ate them like appetizer, just right off the stick, sitting there drinking cold, were they cold good? Miller Lite. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah, they were delicious. What was the best thing you had all weekend? I was sitting there trying to think. I'm probably probably that tri-tip. Probably the tri-tip really? or my grilling beans. <laughs> One of the two. Have you ever put ribeye steak in a bacon? I never had. Before? No, no. But I had. we had a lot of that ribeye steak left over. So I sat down and cubed it up and, like, got the chunks of I didn't. I didn't put the fat in it. I kind of any, – anything that was, like, a visible chunk of fat, mm-hmm. I tossed to the side. When you say you chunked it up, what chunk size are we talking? Oh, little bitty cubes. You diced it? Yeah, it had been, yeah. like, diced yeah, ribeye. Yeah. So – yeah, it wasn't like a piece of steak, like a burn in size or anything like that. It was a just a little bit of cube. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say maybe I don't even know if half inch by half inch cube or something like that. Yeah. If you put a measurement on it, but it was just diced up ribeye, and so I just did two cans of Bush's beans and threw some some blackburn syrup in there and some Dijon mustard and some barbecue sauce and Worcestershire and hot sauce and a bunch of dehydrated onion some minced garlic because I didn't have any regular onion to cut up and then all that ribeye steak and just throw them on the grill open, not covered and just let them go for a couple hours while we went hunting. And when we come back for lunch on Sunday, man, they were on point and I cooked the butt overnight too. We kind of had a barbecue lunch. So we had, so I made some slaw and then I had those grilling, grilling ribeye beans and the pulled pork. I think ribeye beans are, or steak beans. Steak or, beans. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think that's a good recipe. Heck yeah! I mean, I, does know, it have to be leftover, or would you use rare? What? You, uh, you probably would. You probably want to cook it first because that's where you're getting that. That's what gave it the unique flavor. It tasted like so you could tell something in it had been grilled and seared. Yeah, and it gave it that flavor. But I would almost do them next time. Don't do them necessarily barbecue style. Make it with almost like a, a steak sauce, like a A one or a country Bob's or something. So it'd be a little bit darker. 
So it'd be like steakhouse and, beans. Yeah, it'd be steakhouse or ribeye beans or something like that. I'm going to try that. I might, yeah. You might see a recipe on TikTok on that. And put some real onion in it. Yeah, yeah, onions and peppers. Yeah. Like you, could do, you could do some bell pepper in it, some onions. You've been wanting to put onions and peppers on everything. And I love peppers and onions. <laughs> What's wrong with peppers and onions? Nothing. I got an idea for really a burger is. I want to do with peppers and onions, too. And y'all had rotel. We made a big pot of rotel. Used some of our deer sausage in it. Mikey taught me into buy. I bought the crock pot liners. That's something I never did. You ever use those? Uh, I'm not a big fan of them because they get kind of. It's like, yeah. I'm always afraid almost, you're going to tear it up anyway with a spoon. Yeah. So why? But it didn't. It worked perfect. Kept my crock pot clean. Like when you go in there to scoop out stuff or dip out stuff, it you're dealing with that bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the way it was. Yeah. But I, it, mean, I mean, you can't beat Velveeta, two cans of Rotel. Some sausage. Pound of sausage of some kind and seasonings. That's just a ultimate dip. That's actually what got me to go down there Sunday. Because I told you we had Rotel. <laughs> we <got> Rotel. <laughs> you came for the Rotel. Okay. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> what do you think about that football game, the LSU and Florida State? Mm. You didn't really have a dog in that hunt. Yeah. Uh, LSU's not as good as I thought they were. I or maybe it, they were Florida ranked, State's better. Yeah. I don't know. They say if this is if Florida State's going to have a good year, it's going to be this year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. LSU's <laughs> they want to fire their coach already. I know. Yeah. Wow. They don't mess around down there. They ain't <laughs> hollering for Lane Kiffin's head yet. <laughs> he hung a seventy three on Mighty Mercer. <laughs> Highlight of that one's his dog Juice going out there getting the tea. <laughs> you know they act like that's a big deal. I'm pretty sure UT's. What's his name? Smokey has been doing that for years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> am I wrong? I, th- like oh, I yeah. remember that dog going to get that tea ever since I was a kid. I've watched a lot of TikToks of dogs doing like at <laughs> Go, baseball games getting yeah stuff. Ba- yeah, all kinds. But of they stuff. got a, it's a, yeah, I think it's a yellow lab or something like that. I think so too. He's kind of the unofficial. It's better than a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should put a little shark outfit on him. <laughs> Let him run out there with a fin on his back. <laughs> I love that idea. Uh, but Ole Miss, I mean, they look pretty good against Mighty Mercer. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They got to play Tulane this week. That shouldn't be. That should be pretty easy. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Mississippi State's playing Arizona. Did you see the marketing campaign they did for that game? No. What is, what is You're it? You're going to have to look it up. It's kind of making the rounds. Okay. That's the night game uh, on, on SEC Network this week. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. 6.30, I think. So 6 o'clock, 6.30. It's an image of a state player jumping over a cactus. Yeah. It just doesn't come out looking good. <laughs> <laughs> they might have should have. They beat that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody should have put a not good hard eye on that one. Yeah. Let's rethink that. It's a little schlongish or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So last, uh, it wasn't last week, but it's been a few weeks ago. We talked about cooking briskets, and we talked about the full boat method. Yeah, and you said you weren't that familiar with it. Ah, uh, but I ended up going and watching some videos. On I've it. seen so many people talking about that method. Yep. yep. That's what's your cool. thoughts? What uh, is, first of all, what's a full boat method? So basically, you're wrapping wrapping the brisket up in full, but not covering the top. And so they're calling it a boat. It's not like the one we build the rib boat where we fold it all up. They just kind of start bunching up, they they like double up some full and then start crimping it up around the edges of the brisket. So the side, three quarters of it is wrapped up mm-hmm. and that's the, that way it's going to hold juices inside it and, you know, wherever that it's going down, it's going to stay inside that full. But 
you don't do anything to the bark on top. You keep your bark, and that way it's still getting smoked, still getting bark. Now, I can't remember at the end of that video, because he did talk about holding that brisket and holding it in a alto sham. So I don't remember if he wrapped it up I don't, or if he just put it in there in a pan and covered it up. But I don't, I don't think he wrapped it tight because the whole, the whole premise of it, I guess, is to keep it to where you can get to the brisket, juices. you can tip it, you can feel it everywhere. You're building bark you're, on you're top. You're building bark on top. You're not losing that bark from wrapping it up. It's not, I guess it doesn't take as much full. I don't know. Maybe you save a little bit of money on doing that, but keeps your smoker clean. Yeah. Because all that juice isn't getting down in it. So. What's the difference in that and a, and a pan, a shallow pan? Uh, it would stay like it would probably deflect some heat more away from the sides because it's tight. Like you put it in a pan, the 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 sides of the pans aren't up tight against the brisket. Yeah. This way, the full's up really tight around it, so it's going to help those ends from not getting too you know yeah. overcooked or whatever. It kind of shields a lot of that on it and holds it and shapes it a little better. So it's interesting. I hadn't tried it yet. Would but yeah, yeah, I'd try to see how it worked because I mean, uh, you know, I'm always up for another little technique. So yeah, it was interesting to me. I'd never seen it, and I guess it was a it's a Texas thing. That's where it started. I say was it, was it Chud's barbecue? I saw doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's something else you got. Yeah, that's a good tip. Man, he had a whole the, the video I watched. He was cooking a low. He had one of those big steel uh, stick burners, like you know that you see in the restaurants out there that yeah. have a little patio area, screened in area. That's what he had a low. You know, he had Old several tanker. on there. Yeah. Old tanker smoker. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. what it was. And then he, then he, uh, he even he was he cooking for a restaurant? Was it a yeah, yeah, it was a restaurant cooking. I think there were six or seven of them on there the day I was watching, and he had a prime brisket he was getting on there, and and it really let him. It was interesting because he was showing you how he tempted them and checked them. Like he had put his hand in the middle. And try to put his fingers through the brisket when he knew he could go through it and it felt tender from the inside. You know that's what he was looking for, but he could also probe it from the top if he wanted to to see what the see how it felt. You know. All right, so he had on a glove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put a glove on and then was put his to, fingers up under it and try to get in there in the under the full and so he could feel oh, the bottom of the, the brisket full and the yeah, yeah and the meat and, and then, then he's trying to like, see how tender it is by probing it from underneath like yeah. that with his finger. I've never done that. I've never tried uh-uh. to check a brisket that way. I've always done it with the, you know, thermometer just from the top side or what, you know. Yeah. So I've done it. So. Was that the one you told me he put in Alto Sham for like eight hours or It was, they put them like in there that. a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was one thing he was saying in there. Like some of them wasn't quite there. And he's like, well, it's going to be in there. So it'll finish off. So that's, that rest is still letting that thing cook some. So it's controlled, like a controlled rest at a certain temp. That's what makes them so good. I know they do it for even if your brisket's a little hours. behind when it comes off, you put it off in there with a box full of meat, it ain't got no choice but to get you know tender. Do you so, think there's a lot of humidity in that? Yeah, yeah. I think I think some of them do actually like have a water pan or something where they control it's not just temperature controlled, it's like a moist heat, so it has a water element to it. Some of them do. Why? I've never used one. I, just, I, mean, I was going to say, why haven't you ever gotten an Alto Sham? Are they just, expensive? Yeah, I mean, well, like for competition cooking, they're illegal. You can't use them. I mean, so really the only benefit of them is if you're cooking at a restaurant and you're having yeah. to cook a ton of meat and you're, you know, I guess if they were doing it in, 
Do they have little baby Alto shamps? I'm sure they've got <laughs> yeah. smaller warmers and stuff that they can use under the counter and things. Yeah. Uh, uh, most of them are about the size of a refrigerator or a proofing oven. You yeah. know, you've seen those from working in a pizza restaurant. Uh, they've got those things that the dough rise and it's controlled. It's basically the same thing. And so that's what that's what they use. And if you're cooking like, you know, you got you still got to cook ribs and you got to cook chicken and turkey and all that stuff, but you need your smoker, you had to figure out a way to cook your long-time cooking meats for the next day's service get them done. That way when you come in that morning, you can cook your stuff that's going to be done right in time for lunch. So that's how I imagine it all started. Instead of having to have so many smokers doing different things by being able to figure out that hold and getting it right to where the big meats is really good after it's been held. Because you couldn't do ribs and chicken like that. It wouldn't be near as good trying to cook it the night before and hold it all day till service, you Mm -hmm. know? So it kind of makes sense when you think about why they started doing it like that. I mean, ribs do get better in a hold, but... But not a long, super long hold. You know, there's a there's a fine line from holding a rib for... An hour. You know, an hour or two hours versus trying to hold it six hours. You know, just there's a point where it's going to start going downhill. <laughs> what would a six-hour hold rib be like? It, most of the time, from what I've seen, they just dry out more. Yeah. You know, they get super tender. I mean, they fall apart, but they, they're dried out more. They lose some of that integrity they got where the juice is in them and it's just you know not as good a rib it's still good it's just it'd be more on the overside you know um I we kind of did that back when we were doing cooking memphis and may ribs and trying to figure out our hold we would start with a no hold a 45 minute hold hour hold two hour hold four hour hold just to try to get a yeah. timeline down and two was the sweet spot for us two hours opening and burping you know, every 30 minutes or so just to let some of that heat out so it didn't over in a cheap in there. Kind of in a cheap cool. cooler, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in a party stacker. Um, I feel like this would be a good time for us to talk about blue plate mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always a good time to talk about blue plate mayonnaise. That's always. <laughs> if you're choosing mayonnaise this weekend, make sure you choose blue plate. It's the best mayonnaise on the planet. Do you have any comments you'd like I, to make I, for blue plate? I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of blue plate mayonnaise. <laughs> We used blue plate mayonnaise uh, for your recipe this week. It's a pit beef. Oh yeah, I made my sauce with it. Yeah, you made sauce with it. I made a horseradish sauce with it. No, no, it's awesome. It's called tiger sauce. You know, I've never called it tiger sauce, and so, until I was really watching videos on Baltimore pit beef, I'd never heard of. To me, tiger sauce is what goes. It's an old. Old school rib uh, method where you put tiger sauce in the wrap, and it was a yeah. I think it's a Tennessee, maybe out of Nashville, but it's almost like a pepper sauce or something. Sweet, it's almost like a sweet Thai chili sauce a little bit. Yeah, it's got some heat to it. It's got vinegar to it. It's got the sweetness to it, and it's it's kind of like a little glaze. And so you pour that on the ribs with the butter and the brown sugar, and it makes a dang good rib. That's that's been an old competition rib winning rib recipe. For a long time. And so that was, when you say tiger sauce, that's what I'm thinking about. But they were calling tiger sauce, it's like a horseradish cream sauce, basically. So if you think prime rib or something you've seen with, you know, prime rib, and I've made, what we did we do start making it? We, yeah, we started making it just any time we would serve the prime rib sandwich. Yeah. Or, or you know. So, somebody gave me the recipe for the prime rib sandwich, and it was just the creamy horseradish. Yeah. And I was like, and eh, this is. As too much. good as it could be. Yeah, you know, it, it, need, it needed blue plate. It needed blue plate. It needed that creamy mayo. It needed some hot sauce. It needed a little black pepper. It needed then, a little Worcestershire. Yeah, and then you said it once you added all that stuff, it lost its horseradishy, so we started adding 
extra prepared horseradish. Yeah, the prepared horseradish. That's kind of how we came up with that, to give it that little horseradish punch. Now, this tiger sauce, the creamy tiger sauce, has a big a big punch because it's like half a cup of mayo, quarter cup of prepared horseradish, the ground-up stuff in the jar, mm-hmm. not, the, not the creamy one. You mix that in there with just a little lemon juice and black pe- black pepper and salt, and that's all it is. It was still good. Oh yeah, it was real good. Yeah, it had more of that horseradish I, bite to it. I was expecting. I mean, it'd make you roar. I guess that's <laughs> why they call it tiger sauce. You know that that stuff can hit you right in the nose, man, and it's a burn to the brain. It's like a wasabi. Yeah, that, and that's it. It's that same wasabi burn. A lot of times, you know, a lot of time that wasabi is is horseradish is not real wasabi I've root. Heard or that yeah. before. Yeah. Why is wasabi expensive guess, or something? I mean, or? I guess it's over in Japan. They don't you don't yeah. see that over here. And what do they do? Dye it green? I don't know how they get it green. Honestly, like I don't think real was wasabi is green. I think it's white, almost like real horseradish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got to be in the same family, right? Because horseradish is a root too. I'll let you know next yeah. week. <laughs> Here's a little known fact for you. Do you know, that Collinsville, Illinois is. Like horseradish capital? Like, no, I didn't yeah, know that's that. that's a big thing up there. That's what, that's what Mike told me. So they grow it up there? I guess so. Get it out yeah. of the ground, yeah. I've never tried, like, the root horseradish. I haven't either. Like, just like, taking a bite it of up, the root? And, yeah, grate it up and do it. I've never tried that. But. Have you, Tyler? No, I have not. Just taking a bite of horseradish? I did have a small thought where it's like, I remember one time you said turnips smell really bad once they turn, and that's a root vegetable. So I wonder how bad horseradish smells after it's turned. I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, turnips is one. <laughs> that's something you'll never forget. <laughs> horseradish just is just so pungent. Rotten anyways. turnip field. You can smell it for a long ways away. <laughs> but I don't know if they grow the horseradish like that or not. I don't know if it's cultivated like you would turnips, like in the field. I'll have to be learning corner next week. Yeah, there you go. So that's some research for you, Shell. You can come back and give us the how, to, lay down. how to grow and raise your own horseradish. And wasabi. And wasabi, if you want it. Or all the roots. Yeah, all the roots. Um, so what is pit beef? So pit beef is basically a bottom round um, roast. Could you use any cut? Or does it uh, need to be I, mean, I guess I don't. I guess you could use any big, you know, <laughs> tough cut of beef. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, from what I've from what I've seen, it's mainly bottom round. But the bottom round's a big muscle. You know, it's the high. It's in the hind quarter, upper hind quarter of a cow. There's a top round, bottom round, different. You know, muscles come off of it, and it's just one of those. And typically, it's a really a working muscle. Doesn't have a lot of intermuscular fat to it. No, it's real really red. lean, real yeah. red. Yeah, and we just, I mean. A lot of the, I would imagine the restaurants up there that are doing these pit beef sandwiches and a pit beef stand or whatever is buying a big, I mean, think of a whole brisket, like, you know, 18, 20 pounder. That's, I mean, that's, those bottom rounds can be that big. We don't see them that big here in our stores. They're usually cut into smaller roasts. So do they take that giant one and cut it into Yeah, they just cut it into roast. Yeah. yeah. Cause and they know it. nobody's going to buy the whole bit. Yeah. Nobody needs 20 pounds of that beef. You're not feeding that many people, you know. And so, in a rest, like in our um, grocery stores, you see them anywhere from two or three pounds to maybe five or six. Yeah. Like like Sam's Club had one that was almost that one I cooked was almost six pounds. It was like five something, which is the perfect size for making pit beef. And all you do is season it up. You can pretty pretty much put whatever you want. But what makes it unique is that it's a, it doesn't have any sugar in any of the seasonings for pit, for good pit beef. It's just think savory, salt, pepper, garlic, herbs, uh, you know, a little paprika, a little chili powder for some color, things like that. But it's mainly, you know, it's it's more in the can of a Texas rub, really, yeah. 
than it would be, you know, a barbecue rub. No barbecue yeah. rub, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I guess you could do barbecue pit beef, but it, but typically the way they cook it, it's it's cooked over open flames the whole time. Um, you know, not right over them either. You're not grilling it per se. There's enough space in there to where, you know, it's going to sear the outside, but you just keep rolling it around on the grill, cooking all sides of it. Uh, once you get it to about, you know, a rare to medium rare inside, that's when they take it off and they slice some of it off and make sandwiches. And typically they start, um, at these pit beef stands, they'll put it on a deli slicer. So they're taking this, you know, really good grilled kind of, char grilled beef and slicing it super thin like 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 you'd see deli roast beef almost shaved and almost you know where you see almost through it and they're piling it on a bun with some of that tiger sauce with some freshly sliced uh you know just white onion and that's it that's all it is it's, it's real simple yeah you can do it on, i guess you could do what well, i used a kaiser roll but you could use whatever and i cooked it i cooked it on my primo grill um, I left the lid. I'd never done this before on on a ceramic grill. Just kept the lid open the whole time. You set um, up a two zone just in yeah, case, but you really didn't even need it. I, I didn't really need it. I kind of moved it there at the end, just when I when I got my outside. But I could have kept it. It wasn't going to get overcharged or anything. The only thing is, just every two or three minutes, you need to be moving it. It's not something two like two or three. Yeah, I would think just because you don't want to, you don't want to just burn it, slap up on one side. So when you got an open grill and you know the space in between your cooking grate and your coal beds, not, you know, you want it enough to where it's not just going to burn it up, but then you want it to get some flames too and stuff. So you were going like 20 minutes in between. Well, I, once I got my coal burning, right. Cause oh, okay. see, that yeah. was what I didn't know. Like, and I guess the more you do these, the more you would get, you would get down on how much charcoal you're yeah. going to use. I just put about a chimney's worth of lump in my Primo on one side, making a two zone fire and that was what I was going to cook over. Well, it burned down fairly quick, you know, 15. Because you never close the lid. Never close the lid. Yeah. So it was a constant coals burning, and I would just move the meat around. So I ended up having to add coals, another handful or two of coals a couple times. And so I just set the meat over to the side, raised the grate up, threw a little coal in there, let it get going, put the meat back over there, and just kept doing that. It's, I mean, you could do this on one of those park grills. Yeah, you could do I it mean, on really, charcoal yeah, grill. Yeah, yeah. I imagine most of them are using these, and they call it pit beef because it's kind of like, think of a in Jamaica where we see these half barrels or barrels mm-hmm. turned sideways with no lid, and they're just cooking on it. That's kind of what that would remind me of if you know if you were up there, I guess, in Baltimore, cooking on some pits like that or some kind of open pit. But it's just always open. And the goal is just to get a char on the outside, rare on the inside, yeah. slice it thin. Oh, yeah. And, and so what I've even seen them do – is they'll take it, cut some of it off, throw it back on the pit, sear that side back where they made their cuts. Where it's so you know how U roads are constantly spinning, they're constantly turning this and just cooking just a little more a little, of it. Yeah, cut, cut a little up. off, put it on. I mean, a lot of times they'll even like ask you what temperature you want it. Like, do you want your meat well done, medium well? How do, how do you want? How do you want your pit beef rare? And they'll like it, if you cook it rare, you can always take it, shave it off, and set that pile of meat back over those hot coals. And cook those a little bit right there, and then pile it on your sandwich. So, uh, if if it's me, I want it rare though. But yeah. you almost you almost got to eat that stuff the that bottom round on the rare side because it's once it gets overcooked, it's tough. You know, you cook all the flavor out of it. There ain't yeah. much there. I mean, a lot of people um, always ask questions about like adding fresh coals to a fire. Yeah, is it gonna you know cause problems with your meat? Is it gonna if it was shut up, I could see it. Like if you throw a bunch of coal now on the ceramic grill, 
they never really get all burning at one time either. And that's why I use lump coals. I think you get a little bit better smoke. It's cleaner. But, you know, if you're burning briquettes or something, I always want them to burn off anyway. And, I mean, there's even times in our smokers where we'll do like a minion method on it and you just let them burn. I don't know if, you know, it's going to make that big a difference. I mean, you know, I don't, I'm no scientist. I don't know. You've never experienced. Yeah, experienced the the foulness or more chemicals that's put in my body or whatever. I don't know. It probably <laughs> is. Well, everything's killing us. They say don't use aluminum foil and we use it every day. So. But I don't know. But uh, I didn't, I mean, I think if you're adding lump coal, you just put a couple handfuls, handfuls in there right on your coals. And I'd give them a few seconds to get, I mean, it don't take them long because it's already burning hot and they go to burning pretty quick. I mean, it might smoke a little bit at first, but then it's going to calm down and just go to flame. So, you, and you if you're burning that many coals on an open fire, you're probably gonna have to add, add more. more yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, do you remember? I don't. Was it forty five minutes or about a? It was about it was an hour in or something that like time that. Time range forty five minutes it an took, hour. It was. It was faster than I actually thought for Me a too. big piece of meat like Me that. Too. And then I rested it for probably twenty thirty minutes. Yeah. Before we cut it, and it, then I I didn't have anything to slice it with but my knife. And it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I thought the it was really flavor good. was excellent. The sandwich was good. The meat was a little tough, I thought. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole time I'm thinking, why use bottom round? <laughs> you know how good, like, I mean, a ribeye would be like that yeah. or a, a whole strip, a chunk of a strip, a stri- you know, a strip steak, the whole big strip would be awesome like that. But then you'd have that Ubon's perfect sandwich. Yeah. Because that's all, I mean, it's just a ribeye that's. You know, smoke like that and seared on a roll with the onions. Yep. And the horseradish, creamy horseradish. So it's basically, I wonder wonder if that's where Where Gary got that idea from. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But, I mean, it was good. Bottom round, I guess it's cheap. So that's why you can shave it thin and it'll go a long way at the price difference. Yeah. The flavor was really good because the beef tasted really good. And then you had that horseradish sauce with those fresh onions. Like the bite of that sandwich, mm-hmm. it was a good little bite. The, the thinner you can cut it, I, I would, I'd want to get me a deli slicer and use it. And do I was going to ask, why don't you have slicer. a deli slicer? I used to have an old cheap one, like I got at Harbor Freight, and it just over the years, you know, it gets broke, falls off shelves, and stuff. It's just yeah. plastic, but I need one of those nice Hobart ones or whatever <laughs> that I would use once a year. <laughs> but it's nice to have when you. Yeah, do. yeah. It would make. I mean, that would be some great. I would eat it cold. Like I could see taking oh, that, yeah, wrapping it up in plastic wrap, sticking it in the refrigerator, and then coming back and slicing it and just having, you know, What's the roast beef. What's that and roast beef? Roast beef just done in an oven. It's not cooked on a pit like that. So it's pit roast beef? Or just, I mean. It's just pit beef. Yeah, I okay. guess you call it that. It's not roast at all. Well, do, it's pit beef. When they make roast beef, is that the round? Uh, is they, that the same I, cut? I guess they use any any big cut of meat any. to make roast beef. A lot of time, I think it's uh, like steam. You hear them say that steamship round. That's that whole big part of it, you know. But any big cut like that could make you can make roast beef. That's a that's a question for a butcher man. Let's see what's used. You are my butcher man. You're the person <laughs> that asked. I can find out. <laughs> I may not know the answers, but I can find out. So I got a couple questions for you from sure. the community. I think this is a good one. Um, they're asking about smoking a whole put- pork butt and whole chicken together. And they're getting called up in the, you know, t- 250 for the pork butt, 300 for the chicken, yeah. time difference, things like that. 
How would you do it? You want to cook a pork butt? You want to cook a chicken? I already know what you're going to say. What, what are you going to say? Cook the pork butt? Rest <laughs> Let it, it rest while you cook the chicken. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I would do. But you can do it. I would start the butt out first because obviously it's going to take a lot longer. Start it out low. Get some smoke on it. Get it up to about 155, 160 internal. Wrap that dude up and then crank the tip up. Put my chickens on. Cook my chickens. And then you could always taper the grill back down because a chicken, a whole chicken is only going to take an hour, hour and a half. It don't yeah. take too long when you get them up to, you know, 300, 325. So and that butt's not going to matter once you get it wrapped if you cook it hotter. So it, that would be the easiest way to do it. I would not cook chickens at 250. They're just, they're going to be rubber. I mean, yeah, they'll get done. They'll be juicy chicken, but the skin absolutely sucks. Mm-hmm. It's not good. You need that higher heat for the chicken skin. So. And usually you're going to rest your butts anyway, so why not cook your butts first to where they're really good and then just rest, put, throw them in a cooler, wrap them up, throw them in a cooler, and then cook your chickens. That's the easiest way to do it. Those butts are just going to get better in that yeah. two-hour rest. I mean, so. the butt will be all right when you crank the temp up on it, wrap, but it's not as good as letting it stay low and slow the whole time. You're rushing that fat render where you, know, it does, you need to push it a little longer if you're going to cook it that hot too. Um, That's a good question, though. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know. So somebody posted about um, beef chuck short ribs. Have you ever seen that? They had found some yeah. relatively cheap. I mean, that's kind of where – so true plate ribs are like three-bone ribs, but mm-hmm. when you see them do the chuck ribs, they'll be four bones, and it just comes off a little bit different area of so that rib cage. it's the same cage. area. It's just moved just down. A few, yeah, rib, a few more ribs, rib and they cage. may have a rib or two of that. Plate. You know, yeah, plate rib in there. You never. I mean, I, I don't know the exact ribs they take off. There's a certain ribs they want to make plate ribs, and the others yeah. would just be chuck ribs. And then behind that, I guess it would be ribeye ribs. <laughs> you know, that's the way it works. But so what, just ribs you, in that area. They're usually the. Are the, they more less marbled? Uh, no, not necessarily. It's coming out of that same shoulder. You know, shoulder area, upper shoulder, where it's transitioning back to the loin. So it's you know. It's kind of in that area. They're they're still marble. They're still I've cooked them. They're still good. They uh, some a lot of times they're not as thick as the plate ribs. Yeah. They're it's a little bit thinner, but that you know it's they're still good. A lot of times I guess a you'll see like a, a place like Kroger or uh, maybe even I don't even Walmart does it anymore. But Kroger still has butchers where they'll get these chuck ribs in and then they'll cut them up themselves and put them in the little trays out as short ribs. Ooh, cut those up. are so good. Yeah, they are. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's not a true, true plate rib like you see in Texas. But yeah. It's, you know, it's the closest thing we could find sometimes here. When they shave them into the little flank, is it flanking Oh, ribs? so they do do them flanking okay. style That's where, where it's yeah. thinner, you know, like quarter inch. Where you high heat grill them. Yeah, yeah. You uh, usually marinate them and then glaze them mm-hmm, while they cook. Mm-hmm. Those are really good. Asian style. Man, you just over open fire. And you, the first place we had those was like a Vietnamese restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, these are awesome. You got to gnaw on them around the little bones, but you get that marrow of that bone kind of. Okay with that. Man, it's really good. Yeah. So did you see someone post uh, that they had found some beef balls? I did. Um, did you see that I picture? commented on that one. <laughs> They said, hey, Malcolm, how would you cook these or something, wasn't it? Yes. And my response, the only way I've ever had them, they were sliced and battered and fried. And then. And they're pretty good. And they're dang good. And they served with white gravy. 
Like there used to I've be seen some of them people serve them with ranch that way. I have heard of that. I don't yeah. know if I'd like the ranch with them or not. What's the restaurant we go to down there? It's in the in stockyards. Uh, we always get those the, at the hill. Well, that one, yeah. That, well, that's that the one. first place I had them. But the, I was thinking of the place right across from the old hotel downtown. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't remember what that restaurant's called. It's but anyway, it's it's, it's some steakhouse. But I've had them there, and they're really good. I mean. I guess if you think about it, it's probably pretty gross. I don't know, but, but at the <laughs> that, time, that at the time, I thought they was pretty dang good. <laughs> yeah, they call them calf fries. Yeah. So, what's the difference of mountain oysters and calf fries? Or one of them pig and one of them beef? No, I think it's all the same. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard anybody eating pig testicles. Okay. I could be wrong. I'm sure they do. I'm sure that somebody does. Well, Rocky Mountain oysters; those are just beef. Yeah. That's calf fries. Same yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm not talking some old full-grown end of his road bull. That's what these look like. Oh, I don't thing. know how big they are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They're They're, veiny. That. They're gross. <laughs> I don't look at bovines in a tell you very often. But <laughs> I don't know how to judge if that's a good set or not. <laughs> it's like some big balls you got there, buddy. Them ought to be good. I how don't know, you, man. How would you cook them? Just that's what I would do. I sure, as, I sure as heck wouldn't smoke them and go to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else you could. Maybe you, you could, could sear them. them. I don't know. I don't know. The texture's different. I mean, it kind of has an oystery texture to it, it to does. me. It does. A little I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a little chewy, a little, I mean. I definitely. I think the batter probably what makes it. Too. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Why, the batter and the gravy is why I liked it. I don't know if it was the meat necessarily. But, you know, each his own. I know they eat lamb fries, too. Like, yeah, I have heard thing. of that. Yeah. Got another question for you. Fire it at me. Cooking three rabs, racks of ribs today. They're doing different glazes. Different people like different things, yeah. you know. How do they mark which one's which and <laughs> not lose track? I thought this is a great one. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh you always forget which one's I always one's forget. Which. Uh, I would like, so I once you wrap them up. You can mark your full by, you know, yeah. sticking some toothpicks in the ends of it or doing something like that. Um, once they're glazed, uh, maybe maybe stick it like one toothpick. toothpick. Yeah, no yeah. toothpick, one toothpick, and two toothpicks, and don't turn them or anything. Just have them standing up in the ends. That'd be an easy way to do it. But I've never. I've tried doing that before. I lost my toothpick. Yeah, it never works out. <laughs> it never, does. Does. It never works out. I don't know. I don't know a good answer for that. You just got to. We've done it. pans like we'll put their put each one in its own pan and like all right we're gonna turn up two corners on this pan, and then the other one's just gonna have one corner turned up and then no corner you know so there's different whatever you can come up with like that'll work and it depends on how much fun you're having that day yeah you're <laughs> and then you're like wait which one's the two corner one <laughs> yeah which one did you say your favorite which was one? that's what these are <laughs> that's what I tell them yeah these are good aren't they yeah like that. But I don't know. I mean, it's that is a tricky one. Oh, so um, someone posted a chicken saltamboca. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that is. With provolone cheese. Educate me. Uh oh. Yeah. So I had to look it up because it looked delicious. It really got my eye. Hold on. Is it Monterey chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what it is. Saltamboca. I mean. Br- br- <laughs> tell me what it is okay 
It is chicken wrapped in sage and prosciutto and then quickly sauteed. Um, and the word saltambuco actually means to jump into the mouth. Oh. Um, a lot of times it's used with a sauce, um, like with a Chardonnay white wine stock and chicken stock mm-hmm. or sauce um, and finished with some butter. So where does the che- provolone come in? You wrap the chicken around. You you take chicken and you wrap it in sage and prosciutto. Okay, that's like then, ham, thin sliced. Yeah, Italian and, and then you prosciutto. quickly saute it. Yeah, and then so bacon wrapped chicken breast. <laughs> I'm with you. Sauteed in a pan with a white wine sauce with a salt. But where you said provolone wine. cheese though? Prosciutto. Oh, okay. So there's no cheese. They on use, no cheese. They at all. actually did add some cheese to no. theirs. They added provolone to theirs. Yeah, I can see that being pretty good. Yeah. You'd probably put the cheese on at the end, I'm guessing. But it looked delicious, and I never even heard of. Yeah. Sage, you know, that's one herb that I'm just not super crazy about. Yeah. It's for dressings. The only time that, yeah, I really like it is Thanksgiving when you put a little bit of it in dressing. But a little goes a long way in dressing. You can over-sage it. Heck, yeah. And maybe a little bit of sage and, and breakfast sausage because there's a little bit in sausage seasoning. But as far as barbecue, I don't like sage in my barbecue at all. Then when like on like a roasted chicken, I can imagine it get pretty stout too. You know, rosemary's kind of like that too. A little bit of rosemary can go a long way. Uh, you usually stuff turkeys with yeah. You put it in. You put see. You can put rosemary. sage and rosemary and all those poultry herbs inside the cavity to get some flavor from them. But it doesn't get super strong or anything, you know. If you're just putting rub sage all over something, it's going to be stout. No, this is actually like leaves. Sage is, leaves? That's what I'm, yeah. Yeah, okay. Make a dish sage. Man, that's, that would be time. really stout. Yeah, that would be really stout. I do. Maybe like replace it with a spinach. Prosciutto you can do that. Spinach. Yeah, you can definitely do that. Now, maybe I could see some cheese inside the chicken breast if you did that. Yeah. You know, butterfly it open and stuff it with all that, then wrap it up with the prosciutto. Um, Jamie wants to know, how many competitions have you taken that new black trailer you bought? Man, I don't know. Probably a dozen. <laughs> I haven't taken to that many. <laughs> I've taken to a few. We hauled it all the way to Virginia one one weekend. Well, I've had it up at Jay's. It. I've had it up at, uh, I've had it several. You got it right before. Pandemic. Uh, the Pandemic. And then pandemic shut all the contests down for a while. And when they cranked back up, I'd already found something else to do with my time <laughs> other than go to contest on the weekend. It kind of knocked you <laughs> off your contest game. We used it for a whole deer season, too. Like we just parked it out at the farm, and that was headquarters. You did live out of it for a while. Yep. And then we had an issue with the bathroom. Yeah, because we kind of. We didn't know. I forgot what deer happened. Deer season going to do a number on a bathroom now. <laughs> <laughs> you get four or five grown men using the same facilities all winter long and not having a hookup. You just got to drain it. I didn't do that, though. We did it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> we st- it was uh, being called the lion cage. If you've ever been to the zoo and gone like got real, real close to the lion cage and got a good whiff. That's pretty stout. <laughs> it was pretty stout. <laughs> That's what the, the, the lion's <laughs> den. <laughs> That's what that trailer started smelling like. 
It's not like that now. Yeah, we got it cleaned up. We had to do a, we had to do a full scale <laughs> Brodo cleaning on the, the tank and everything. Hazmat suits and everything. If it wasn't for Mark, Mark saved me on that. I would be puking guts. <laughs> you don't do well. Yeah, not with bodily fluids. How many diapers did you change? Man, so many. <laughs> <laughs> At least five. <laughs> Man, I wish. I'm on three now. You're up to three? Three kids? So so 15 for me. That's why we ain't got no more kids. I don't do diapers. Okay, one more question for you. I purchased some ribs with intent to do a cook this past weekend. Something came up. Didn't get to cook them. What should they do now? Should they let them just hang out till next weekend? Freeze them? Mm, That's a tough call because... I mean, usually pork don't last that many days in the refrigerator. Um, so what's the rule? You can it's okay for beef and not okay for pork. I mean, is that a you got call? you should feel safe buying from grocery store for five to seven days. That should be okay. Then you got to cook it or freeze it. So I would say use your best judgment. Now my problem with that is you don't know how long it was sitting in the grocery store refrigeration before you bought it and brought it home. So I have bought, you know, I bought ribs thinking they were good, opened them the next, you know, even day of, and yeah. blow me out of the kitchen. I've done so that you really don't, plenty of times. Yeah, you really don't know. I mean, you're gambling. Um, so there be, is no. Yeah, there's no right answer there. I mean, I mean, even if you freeze them and then let them thaw back out, there's still a chance they're, you know, could be bad. And they could have been bad when you bought them. So I would look at the date on the package, see when their, you know, recommended sale by was before they're going to put it reduced. And then I would still, when you open them up, you will know. So, um, you know, have a backup plan. You know, it never hurts to know you can run to the store and get some more if you had to when you got to cook them. But what would you do? You bought. Let's say you bought them on Wednesday, Thursday. I'm a gambler. <laughs> you bought them Wednesday, Thursday. I'd, I'm a gambler. I'd, I'd hold, Am I waiting until like the next next Saturday? Yes. Like, I'm, you let's say you bought them on Wednesday night, Thursday night, something yeah. like that for the weekend. I'd feel so Life cooked got in them. the way. I'd feel cooked safe cooking them by next thursday they, but you, you're not pushing it to the next week i wouldn't then. push it to saturday yeah and if i did i'd be fully expecting them to be on the verge if they yeah. weren't already yeah yep. when you open it up how do you know it's back? here we are wednesday and it's been yeah oh there's no <laughs> you're gonna smell it <laughs> there's no it's probably gonna make it. you puke you know, and everybody in the house will be, what'd you kill? It ain't like something, you can't hide it. Could you, it's not semi, like if you smell it and it's like, oh, I don't know, it might be, it's probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> but once you open it up and it just blows you down so as you crack the package, it'll clear the kitchen. I mean, sometimes they get that little off gassing from being in there and you can rinse that rib off and it's okay. I've opened pork like that. And you're it's like, just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just a lot of times it's that old liquid that gets in the package around it and all that. Once you rinse, rinse it off, you know, smell it. And I mean, if it it should be fine. You know, if it still has a smell to it when I'm smelling it, I'm not going to cook it and serve it. If there's any doubt, I'd throw it away and if start with pulled, something fresh. If you've pulled it out, rinse it off, and... And I smell it, and, and it, it smells like pork, I'm fine. But if it don't, if it smells like anything else, I'm probably not going to use it. But... You you should know. I mean, a lot of times that meat will feel slick. It'll have a different texture it to it. It might have a different tint to it. When it's turned, it's turned. And I don't. I mean, and and I don't recommend risking it. It's not worth getting yourself or your family or your friends sick over it. So if it's even close, 
you know, when in doubt, start out, start with something, you know, you know is good. Do other meats give you different levels of food poisoning? I don't know. <laughs> I don't like, know. I mean, I don't is know. beef food poisoning not as bad as pork? Or? I imagine they're all bad. You don't want none <laughs> of them. The only time that I know that I got sick off something, it was like a chicken wrap from Applebee's back in the day. And I had salmonella poison for like, it seemed like 10 days. And it was violent. Every coming out of both ends, and it took it about two hours to hit. And when it did, I was out of the club. We had met, got some dinner, was going out to Denim and Diamonds to the club. And I said, I got to get home. And I was sick for 10, no joke, sick for 10 days. And and I'm guessing it was that chicken wrap. That's the only thing I could trace it back to. Yeah, I made it home. It was it was a cold sweat getting home, but I made it home. (laughs) I I had one of those where it's like, please, Lord, if you let me make it this time, I won't eat at Applebee's again. (laughs) But I pressed my luck. I went back. I didn't eat that. I ain't ate a chicken wrap at Applebee's since. Learned my lesson on that. Well, Mount, what do you have planned for this weekend? This is another good weekend. We've got round week two of college, and we got the first week of pros, so it's going to be fantasy footballs. I may have to go get me a few bets in. Um, and, you know, I hadn't even thought about cooking anything this weekend. It's, it's my parents' birthday, so we've got to throw a little birthday party for them Saturday. But um, I'm probably going to kick back and watch a ton of football. That sounds good. That's my plan. We are filming tomorrow. Yeah, we've got to do recipes. some short-form videos. Probably some more football stuff. We uh, we did a – or you kind of came up with the idea because Michael was eating these – what are they, buffalo Cheez-Its? Yeah. Buffalo-flavored Cheez-Its. And I love – we like making this little party mix. And you was like, why don't we make a buffalo party mix using those too? And so I'm going to do probably do some of that because that's a good snack on. And then got a couple other ideas. And Mark came back with a, uh, with a drink he said I got to do. So I'm going to do that. And it's a simple drink, but I'm going to see if it's as good as he taught it up. And Chick-fil-A's got this new sandwich I've been wanting to try to see. <laughs> try to copycat? Yeah. I'm going to do my version of it. Have, you, have y'all seen it? Have you seen it, Tyler? No, I haven't. It's the... Honey pepper pimento. Honey pepper pimento Chick-fil-A sandwich. Sounds really good. It's like it's a Chick-fil-A chicken breast with jalapenos instead of pickles on the bottom with the honey drizzle with pimento cheese on it. So, so I'm thinking sweet fire pickles, chicken, spicy honey, pimento cheese, sandwich. Don't that sound good? What kind of chicken? Grilled chicken? Fried chicken? Yeah, free range. <laughs> <laughs> you go smoke it, grill it, fry it? I'll probably grill it. Braise it? I don't know. I mean, I'll probably grill it. I ain't, I ain't fry, fry, fry. Blah, blah. Full. Not frying it. I can't get it out. I ain't firing up the fryer. I'm thinking grilled chicken breast. Honestly, that would be a good sandwich. Yeah. The grilled version. I've never had uh, pimento cheese on a grilled chicken sandwich. I ain't had it on that's the fried a- one either. So that's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Chick-fil-A's talking my language. <laughs> With some blue plate mayonnaise. Oh, you got to have the blue plate. Yes. That's going to be good. It ain't good till it's... Got blue plate on it. It ain't good to even put the plate on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mark, that's all I have for you today. All right. Well, Tyler, what's what do we got going on? Is anything else happening in the community or anything? We just wrapped our Between the Buns Challenge. Uh, Congratulations to all the winners of that. All your prizes should pretty much be in route by now. 
Uh, we will be doing some more giveaways over there. So head on over to facebook.com forward slash group forward slash H2Q community and join it up. First of all, all the delicious recipes that we're talking about today came from there and a lot of the questions and stuff were asked on there. So you have a chance to make it on the podcast and then you can hang out in between. It's an awesome place. So. Oh, that's awesome. Well, she'll tell them where they can find us. If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and of course, YouTube. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram. All right. Well, we appreciate y'all tuning in this week, and we will be back next week to talk about more barbecue stuff. We gone.